Chroniclers of fake holidays have marked today down as Bell Bottoms Day, commemorating a style of trousers that dates back to the early 19th century that are perhaps best known as a way of making fun of the fashion of the 1970s. Charlottesville Community Engagement has no position on any fashion choice, but as host, I should inform you that I am very interested in any attempt to define a style of the 2020s, and hope the chronicler of fake holidays will take this into account. On today's program, Charlottesville City Council holds the first reading of the budget for fiscal year 24, and it's slightly bigger than it was when it was presented in March. Charlottesville officials have denied for a third time a preliminary site plan for an apartment complex planned for the floodplain along the Rivanna River. Charlottesville City schools have hit pause on the naming of some institutions and facilities, and more information from the latest report from interim city manager Michael C. Rogers, as well as an update on the transit governance study. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, Charlottesville Community Bikes believes that bicycles can be a means to social change, addressing issues of equity, access, and inclusion. They provide free bikes to adults who need one and have a special program that provides free bikes to children. But they also provide information some in the community may need. That includes a weekly series on Bike Mechanics 101 beginning on April 13th. You can learn more at charlottesvillecommunitybikes.org, and if you want to learn more or support their work, Charlottesville Community Bikes is currently seeking matching funds for a grant from the Outride Fund. Visit charlottesvillecommunitybikes.org to learn more. There is one more budget work session scheduled for Charlottesville City Council tomorrow, but on Monday, the elected body took the first step toward adopting a $227.7 million budget for fiscal year 2024. That's slightly higher than what was originally presented in early March. Here is Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers. There is a difference of $1,456,900 from the uh, proposed budget that I initially presented. The additional revenue comes from items in the fiscal year 2023 budget that will not be appropriated and will be carried over into the next fiscal year. These include $197,181 for diversity, equity, and inclusion, $394,436 for council strategic initiatives, and $43,748 for the sister city program. The work session on Thursday will provide one more opportunity for Council to alter the budget before their final vote to adopt on Tuesday, April 11th. Here is City Councilor Michael Payne. I don't think we're quite there yet on the budget. I would like to see some adjustments with Pathways, CRHA, FAR, um, some nonprofits and housing. The various tax rates will remain the same. No one spoke at the public hearing on the first reading of the budget. There will be no public hearing for the second one, but public comment will be taken at the work session on Thursday. 
The city of Charlottesville has once again written a letter indicating they will deny a preliminary site plan for 245 apartment units to be built on undeveloped land off of East High Street. Seven Development is working with Shimp Engineering on a technical plan for the project, which would require fill dirt to be imported to elevate three buildings out of the floodplain. Shimp Engineering had submitted a third site plan on February 17th. They now have until June 30th to submit a new plan to address the city's concerns. They did not return a request for comment that I sent out this morning. Here is some of what's in this latest denial. The applicant has acknowledged that a permit will be required to develop in the floodplain as the property is within the city's flood hazard protection overlay district. The applicant has also acknowledged that bonds for public improvements, erosion and sediment control, stormwater management facilities must be submitted before a final site plan can be approved. The applicant also acknowledges that any site-related improvements must be completed before any certificates of occupancy are issued. The project would not be phased, but would instead be built all at once. All landscaping must be addressed in the final site plan. The Water Resources Protection Administrator has a note that the quantity and location of fill in the floodplain at Zero High Street suggests that the design engineer will not be able to demonstrate a no-rise condition in the floodplain in public right-of-way, even with the development of a hydraulic model that represents proposed conditions. Traffic engineer Brennan Duncan said the proposed public streets don't satisfy the city's standards and design manual, and instead would be classified as driveways that would not be accepted into the city's secondary road system. There are links to all kinds of articles in the newsletter. Go read those and no more. Charlottesville City Schools have been in the midst of reviewing the names of all schools to see if they fit with the division's current values. So far, the elementary school known as Venable is now Trailblazer, and the one known as Clark is now Summit. The school board had been scheduled to vote on April 13th on new names for Johnson Elementary and Burnley Moran Elementary, out of a sense that the namesakes were people who worked for the school system during a racist era. However, Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said the other night at council meeting that the process is now on hold. Just heard from a school board member that they have paused the name change of the schools. Wade's comments came after those of a community member concerned that renaming the schools at this time is confusing, given that the city just adopted new boundaries for voting precincts, which become effective this Friday. Over 40% of Charlottesville voters will cast a ballot somewhere new. Here is Derek Hartline. Nobody wants voters to show up at their old polling places being confused or it's seen as a barrier. The confusion with polling places could get worse as seven of the nine precincts will be held at city schools, while at the same time, the school board is going one by one and changing the names of schools, thus changing the polling places' names. A March 29th memo on the school renaming committee's webpage states that a vote will still be taken on April 13 to affirm a desire to remove the old names, but to pause finding new ones at this time. Here's a section from that update. It may not be possible to find names for Burnley Moran and Johnson that combine both purpose and place, but we would like to slow down the name selection process to give us the best chance of finding lastingly meaningful and fitting names for our schools. That update has no mention of polling places. 
Yesterday's newsletter had several items from the report from the interim city manager, but here are some more odds and ends from the written report. The application window is open for the Community Attention Youth Internship Program for positions this summer for the period between June 26th through August 6th. Youth can apply at a link in the newsletter. The search for a new director of communications is in the final stages, and the position is expected to be filled soon. It has been vacant since late 2021, when Brian Wheeler resigned. Joy Johnson is the chair of the new Housing Advisory Committee. Her appointment to the body is the only one filled of three slots for affordable housing beneficiaries. In addition to being a resident of a Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority property, Johnson is also the Section 3 coordinator for the agency. A strategic plan for the city's Economic Development Office is expected to be complete in July of 2023. The firm Residence is working on the study, which is being overseen by a 16-member steering committee. A total of 280 people filled out a survey. Charlottesville Area Transit will spend an additional $3 million allocated by council to increase service throughout the system, with a focus on Route 6. And finally, a contract has been awarded to Nielsen Construction for the renovation of Buford Middle School due to their lowest bid of $71.4 million. The total project cost is $84.3 million, with 5.5 of that already allocated in previous budgets. That brings the total amount needed in fiscal year 24 to move forward with the project to $78.8 million. That's in the budget. This work will not include renovation of the Buford Auditorium. Listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second subscriber supported shout out, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society is planning a historical tour on April 29th as a fundraiser that will give participants a look into the soul of the community. The Inside the Walls of Worship tour will visit the Congregation Beth Israel Synagogue, Christ Episcopal Church, and the Albemarle County Courthouse, and experts will provide history on the details of each. Tickets are $40 per person, and the tour will start at First Presbyterian Church with free parking. Register on Eventbrite. One more segment to go, and it's on transit. I am going to have one item on transit for the next week, I think. There are many words to be written and many stories to be documented about the future of public transit in this community. Both Albemarle and Charlottesville have contributed financially to a study last year that imagined a more robust system and are now paying for a second study to find a governance structure that could bring down more funding from the state and federal government. There are five phases in this study, with the first being a list of existing conditions. A second phase looked at peer communities such as Blacksburg and Ithaca, New York, and this has just been completed. Stephanie M. Oning Yankson is with AECOM, the firm hired to conduct both of the studies to date. Uh, where we are looking at governance structures of um, other transit agencies in, in similar uh, areas, uh, phase three will look at uh, potential revenue generation. That revenue would go to try to implement the regional transit vision. That's a document which cost $350,000 to produce. 
This produced one aspirational bus system for the entire Thomas Jefferson Planning District that would cost $70 million a year to operate, and a second one that's slightly more realistic would cost closer to $35 million a year. Once we have some potential sources down, then we'll start to craft some alternatives for uh, governance scenarios of what that would look like. That's phase four. Phase five would produce a finalized governance structure and funding strategies. That will come out of interviews with Charlottesville Area Transit, Jaunt, and the University Transit Service. We got to understand how they are organized, understand the organizational structure, and what the governance looks like. Uh, we also discussed what their funding situation is like and how they interact as far as um, where their services uh, overlap or how they coordinate in that area. A previous effort to create a regional transit authority in the late 2000s resulted in enabling legislation passing the General Assembly. However, the entity was not formed because a second bill to allow a sales tax referendum did not make it out of committee. The legislation is still on the books, but does not alone come with any power to generate revenues. It's because we have the existing legislation set up for the CARTA, we can call it, we can look at either modifying that uh, to address whatever changes we would want in the entire region based on uh, this process that we are going through. Other options might include a transportation authority or creation of a larger public service corporation. The latter is how Jaunt is set up. There are also other examples from other university communities and more details on this study as the study comes closer to completion. Are you paying attention to any of this? Is anybody really paying attention to any of this? Or is it just kind of make work? I don't know, but this is the podcast version where I am increasingly going to say, is this going to make a difference at all? No more questions today, as that's the end of 517. Every day there is something to write about, and nothing makes me feel more content than when I am able to post a newsletter every day. This newsletter and podcast exists to try to make sure people know what's happening and to avoid crack falling. I'm able to do this as often as I am thanks to paid subscribers who want this work to continue. I am grateful for this and hope you'll join them if you already have. Please know I am definitely grateful and want you to know that you fuel me. If you want to join them in the fueling process, Ting will match your initial payment to Substack, whether that be a $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year subscription, you will help me keep my eyes and ears on as much as I can. And thank you to Vraki for the incidental music in the podcast, which always ends with this amazing ending. Thank you very much. I'm Sean Tubbs. Goodbye.